As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam, hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. With questions and participants from all around the world. That on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I'll walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for a discounted rate. We are in the midst of what I am so glad to say. We are still in the midst of the Eastern Conference Finals. I was so worried that we were going to have to preview the NBA Finals for like forever. But no. Yeah. Celtics are hanging on. Uh, with me, as always, my co-host, Alex Spears. And with us, our first guest, the man. That covers the Rockets. Kelly Eco <laughs> from The Athletic. Kelly, what's up, man? What's going on, guys? Another another day, another dollar. <laughs> so let's start big picture. Uh, how much pressure do you think there is on the Rockets front office to start turning the corner next season? And what would qualify as like significant progress for the Houston Rockets? I think whenever you have a situation like the Rockets do where you've gone from three years of being frankly, the worst team in the NBA, and you have an owner that has insisted on this being phase two of the rebuild, which is getting back to the postseason or the plan or whatever you want to call it, I think there is some pressure. I think you do have to get things right, especially when you have nearly 60 million in cap space. You have young guys that have been under center for maybe two or three years now, and you're expecting them to take that next leap. You know, you want to bring in veterans and build around the edges, but at the same time, this is an organization that expects to get back to winning ways as quickly as possible. So yeah, there is some pressure. So I, I do think that, you know, from EMA to to the front office, you know, there has to be some kind of sense of urgency to turn things around pretty quickly. But, yeah, but, but in terms happened? of Yeah, go ahead. In terms of um a significant leap, I don't think going from twenty two to twenty five or twenty six wins is gonna cut it. I think this has to be yeah talking about like a 32-plus win team. You know, if you want to see what ownership deems, you know, a legitimate jump. You know, I think anything below, you know, 30 wins, I think that would be 
a serious red flag. Yeah. So, so how much of an appetite do you think there is from the front office to select another 19 or 20 year old high in this draft uh, with that pressure to improve? And how likely do you think it is that they actually trade this pick? I'm still of the belief that, you know, they will trade it. I just think that, you know, if they had gotten the top three pick, you know, things would have changed. Like the, the internal calculus would have been, you know, okay, let's try and get one of Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, you know, obviously not going to get Victor Miyama, but if you would have gotten a, a two or three pick, then your chances of keeping that player raised significantly. Now, granted, at number four, there are still some talented players. You know, there, yeah. there are still, you know, the Thompson twins, Cam Whitmore, guys like that. And the Rockets still have the cap space. So there is a world that exists where they could just, take a, a young player and go and add veterans. But to your question about the appetite, I don't think there's a huge appetite to bring another, you know, young guy to this because frankly, <laughs> this team has enough young players as it is. They need to yeah. push this thing forward. And you don't do that by bringing on another project where you have to spend more time developing, spend more time, you know, spending intimate, intimate, you know, time and care with. So I think the appetite might not be as much as in years past. So this week you reported that Harden is the top target for Houston free agency. Right. That same day, Brian Windhorst said on the Hoop Collective podcast that he thinks that the Harden to Houston buzz is, quote, one giant leverage play. Do you think there's a chance Harden is using Houston, or are you pretty confident that there's genuine interest on both sides for a reunion? No, there's genuine interest. Um, anytime you have a situation in James where you spent – most time of your career in one place in Houston and you have, you know, an entire community here that's behind you. You have businesses here. You have time investing to the community and to the team, to the organization, the city itself. That bond doesn't go away, you know, and this is a year where he, you know, he led the league in assists. He kind of transformed his game a bit. He took a backseat to Joel Embiid and rightfully so. Um, he took a backseat at times to guys like Tyrese Maxey to help them, develop and become more established NBA players. And now you're in a situation where, you know, the summer is yours and you, you can dictate where you want to go, but the Rockets are crying out for a veteran point guard. They're crying out for a sense of leadership, a sense of structure and cohesion. And James brings all of that to the table. So, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Now the only thing is the money because are the Rockets willing to give him, you know, more than, $35 million a year. I, I'm not sure they are. And and if he's looking for a four-year deal, you know, that's another obstacle you got to you got to clear. But, you know, if it makes sense for Houston in terms of like a short term, maybe, you know, in that 32, 35 million range, I could see them doing it. But, you know, everything comes down to what James wants. And at this point, you know, only he knows. Yeah, that's really interesting because, you know, you wonder if, if it is a shorter deal, that seems more likely that, that's something that Philly would be willing to do. I mean, Windhorse also reported that Philly doesn't want to offer him the max. Right. So, you know, I wonder if Houston would have to, you know, get a little uncomfortable with the contract number or with the contract length to actually make it happen to get him away from Philly. Like, do you think they would be willing to do uh, a four-year deal or or to pay I mean, forty million a year? That would that would surprise me. If if okay. if if James left in the manner that he did and put them through three years of basically chaos just yeah. to come back and sign a 40 million that 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 would be crazy for like a long-term contract that would shock me but you know this is the nba anything is possible and for some reason 
this hard in Houston thing is never going to go away. So, you know, until that July period hits, I think we're going to see more of this, you know, from both sides. If you think this is a leverage play, if you think this is legitimate, you know, you're going to see a lot of more of this kind of coverage until, you know, it actually happens. But me personally, I think it's legit. Um, I think it makes sense on a lot of different fronts. I know people are going to talk about, you know, hard off the floor or whatever, but you talk to his teammates, you talk to guys that have been around him, he makes guys better and and people enjoy being around him. And I think the Rockets, young players, particularly like Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, could benefit from having a, an adult in the room and telling them, you know, how to be NBA veterans, how to play cohesive NBA basketball and how more important to win. So you talk to a lot of Rockets fans, you see their comments. How split do you think the fan base is on whether or not Houston should bring Harden back? I think it's pretty split. Um, yeah. Uh, I think there's going to be a portion of the fan base that, you know, misses him dearly and wants to bring him back and kind of see him ushering in this new generation of talent in Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, Tarius, and those kind of players. And there's another portion that's like, you know, he's already been through this. Those young guys have already been through the fire, if you want to call it, for two years. Why bring in someone that's that's not on their timeline and is going to potentially mess things up when you could always bring in a younger um, guy that can grow with that that core. So there are, there are pros and cons for both sides. You know, I think he's such a polarizing player that he's going to strike that kind of conversation and, and, dis, and discourse. So I do understand, you know, the pros and cons of, of bringing Harden back. But ultimately, this is a team that needs to win. And Harden, you know, for more than... Any of these guys on this current Rockets roster, he's won. So I think bringing him back would do a lot of good. So let's say the Rockets are confident that he's coming back by draft night. Do you think that will influence the way that they use the pick or who they might take? Let's let's just like assume that like Wimbenyama, Scoot, Brandon Miller are all off the board. Right. How would you rank that next group of prospects and likelihood of Houston actually selecting them? I think after those three, I you know, Amin Thompson is a guy that jumps off the board in terms of the yeah. explosiveness, the upside. You just see the defensive potential, the playmaking. It makes a lot of sense. It ticks a lot of boxes for that young group. But I've always had this thought in my head that if they have some kind of under-the-table agreement that James is coming back, does that change how things happen on draft night? I think it does because if you know he's coming back, then you can actually really shift to phase two, which is let's bring in veterans. Let's uh, Let's try and see. If, if you think the current um, free agency class isn't as strong as you'd like and you don't want to wait until next summer, like 2024, bring in some guys now. Like, And that's kind of what, you know, I put out yesterday. It got a lot of <laughs> um, responses. But the point was that if you if you think that James is coming back or if you know that he's coming back, then you, you should be more inclined to move that pick because, you know, whoever you're getting in is going to help you more or in a greater sense than any 18, 19 year old kid right now. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that article. You you wrote an article yesterday with some fake trades. You got some spirited responses uh, from folks on the internet. Spirited is one way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so usually when I read one of these articles, I f- find that the beat writers tend to overvalue the assets of the team they're covering. In the case of your article, I actually thought you undervalued some of Houston's assets, specifically the number four pick. Do you think that the number four pick does not currently have a ton of value on the markets because this is seen as like a three-player draft? I, I think because it's seen as a three-player draft, 
and there's a bit of a gap between mm-hmm. the Brandon Millers and the Scoots, then you go to the Amen Thompsons and, and you know Cam Wilmore. I think because of that, that's why you kind of have to undervalue the pick a little bit. Now, if this was last season, you know, number of top five pick is as good as anything. Like, but it just feels like, and hey, there there are teams like, for example, the Raptors have called. Like, there are teams that that still believe that number four is a pretty damn good pick. And there are teams that are going to want to acquire that pick. But I'm just speaking in the sense of, you know, teams that have win now veterans, you know, what is the, you know, the, the calculus about, do we think Amen Thompson or Osar Thompson or Kim, are they going to really push the needle? Are they really going to be part of a project that's going to stimulate winning in the next two to three years? You know, that's what you have to figure out. And that was kind of what I was trying to, achieve in the article but you know Hmm. fans took it the entire wrong way but that's whatever (laughs) what what trade do you think uh pushed the most buttons for the for the fan base cam johnson probably (laughs) yeah (laughs) i was getting calls from people with with the rockets (laughs) (laughs) well tell people what the deal is and like talk us through it um i it was what was it it was cam Originally, I was going to put Cam Johnson and Dorian Finney-Smith for, yeah. for but the, the article was Cam Johnson for KJ, Jay Sean, um, the number four, and um, a future first, or giving Brooklyn back the pixel. Yeah, some along those lines. Now, originally, yeah. I wanted to include Dorian Finney-Smith in there, and I probably should have. That might have made it, you know, more appetizing for Rockets fans, but... Mm-hmm. I'm I'm assuming that from the responses they don't see Cam Johnson as that kind of mo- um, needle mover player to to warrant um, a package of that magnitude. And I understand. Yeah. Um. It's it's Cam Johnson is more of a uh, beauty in the eye of the beholder type player anyway. Like sure. some people see him as you know a legitimate player on a title winning team, and some just see him as a a good shooter on a on a role you know a role playing shooter. So um, it's really dependent <laughs> on how you value him, but. I do understand. Well, in my opinion, I thought it was a fair trade because, you know, if you're not going to, if you don't see long-term value in keeping like KJ Martin or Jay Sean or, you know, the future people, like if you want to win now, it kind of behooves you to get players that can help. If you're, if you're bringing in James, I think a lot of my, like I said, all my deals were under the the assumption that James is coming back. Yeah, you know that that was that was kind of so you you add James, then you have Cam Johnson, you add that to Jalen Green and Jabari. And now you can actually start to cook something, you know, in Houston. But um, fans, the minute they saw the number four pick in in, in KJ, it went apeshit. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very funny that people with the team would reach out about like a fake trade article. Like, were they worried that you were hurting well, no, no, their no, bargaining they position? No, they weren't. They were. It, it was. It was just like they were, they were teasing me. You know, because they, they, <laughs> yeah. they can see they can see the 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 Shingun hive threatening to punch me in the face oh, or yeah. something. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was crazy, but no, it's all fun. Yeah, yeah. Where where are you at with Shingun, by the way, in like his development? Because like you did include him in one of your trades. I think it was for Miles Turner. Yeah. Um. um I'm like, I'm I'm still high. I'm still high on the kid. Um. I think what he did to end this season really impressed me in terms of showing that defensive intensity and show and just showing the want to, you know, obviously he still has a ways to go in terms of the technique and, and, and the conditioning and stuff, but he showed me 
um, an increased motor, and that's going to hopefully carry him through the offseason and for his new coach, Ime Udoka, because we know Udoka, the kind of style he likes to play, especially defensively, he wants his bigs to give effort consistently. So, oh, yeah. Um, Alperin definitely has the talent to be, you know, one of the greatest centers, you know, from this class and this Generation Z. But, you know, to take that next step to become, you know, a, a fully capable NBA NBA player, it's going to need to get that defense up. But, you know, from what I saw in the last 10 to 15 games, I think he should be better going into next season. So, so I, I don't hate the kid. Of, like, contrary to what Twitter will tell you, it's just <laughs> Twitter. That's not, it's not reality. So, that's not how I see it. Uh, so head coach Ime Yudoka was hired last month and you got to have an extended Q&A with him during the draft combine was there anything that he said that stood out to you or surprised you in any way I think just his honesty in terms of what he saw from this group you know there were this is a team that won 22 games or 20 games I think so let's you know it would be hard to try and pick out many positives but he said from watching the film, he did kind of see spots and pieces where you can actually build on in terms of, you know, guys like Tari Eason and Jabari Smith that want to defend at a high level, that want to get after it and how to grow that culture, how to get accountability from guys and everyone buying in, you know, trying to play Kevin Porter Jr. off the ball, you know, putting Jalen in more advantageous situations. I think just hearing him almost talk through things schematically on the fly is what impressed me the most because you know that this is a guy that has taken a group of talented players on the brink of NBA, you know, stardom, like in terms of getting to the finals and almost winning a championship. So yep. um, he comes with, he comes in with a lot of respect and he comes in understanding that these guys are looking for a leader, you know, some guidance and more importantly, a mentor. So I think um, these next few months between now and training camp, are going to be critical in terms of him getting to know the players, him getting a better understanding of, you know, what the Rockets want to do in in uh, free agency, which I, which I'm which I heard he's going to have a pretty big voice in, um, the draft obviously as well. I'm trying to build this thing because for the last two three years, it didn't seem like there was a, a ton of cohesion, you know, from top to bottom, and when you combine that with young players, that leads to chaos most of the time, and we saw, you know, that led to chaos. So hopefully for Ime, he's coming in now and being able to slowly, slowly build his staff and kind of see what the next steps are for this group. So outside of Harden, what do you think the Rockets are looking for in potential free agents? Like, is it specific skill sets, players that will fit in Yudoka's scheme? Like, what do they want? Um, First and foremost, after obviously getting a veteran point guard, they they do want some shooting. Um, They also want some, you know, some quality defenders. So you look at a guy like Brooke Lopez, you look at a guy like, you know, defense Dylan Brooks, for all the jokes that people talk about Dylan Brooks, um, the Cam Johnsons of the world, Austin Reeves. Then you look at, you know, other wings. There are guys like Kelly Oubre. There are guys like, you know, Kristaps Porzingis. You know, there, there are guys like some of the guards in Boston. You know, there are different targets in terms of playmaking, shooting, defending, which is the basics of an NBA team. But, you know, that roster – didn't have any of that last season, you know. And so, yeah, to have sixty million and to have the ability to go out and get those players, you know, they're in a, in a pretty particular spot where they can try and attract, you know, these some of these older guys because that is a big jump going from 
a winning environment to trying to recreate one, you know, in terms of, you know, that talent gap, but, you know, money talks and there is no state income tax in Houston and Texas. So that, that, that does speak for a lot of stuff. Kelly, thanks so much for coming on the show. You can go read Kelly at the athletic and go listen to his podcast called the ecosystem with Kelly eco. He just had Eric Gordon on for a really interesting interview. So if you haven't checked that out, uh, you should, because Eric was uh, Eric was really good. I thought it was a really fun show. So um, thanks so much. Is there anything else you'd like to plug before you go? Um, I got who's coming on my show next. Uh, R- Rob Covington's coming on the show next. Week. Oh, okay. guys, we, we were just talking about him. We were talking yeah. about him. His days as a process sixer. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great. Go yes, listen to the ecosystem. I K O. Oh, before I go, shout out, shout out the yeah. young house. He made some fire lamb chops yesterday. It was, it was crazy. Wow. Okay. So, thank you. <laughs> thank you. The house. Shouts to Daniel house. <laughs> Thanks Kelly. Appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. All right, Al, it's time to bring in somebody that I've been very excited to have on the show. Somebody that knows the Sixers well and feels the Sixers maybe even better. It's Mike Levin, a co-host of the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast. It's a podcast about the Philadelphia 76ers. Mike, thanks for joining. Thank you so much. A feeler of the Philadelphia 76ers uh, <laughs> is an unfortunate title, but one that I, I have no choice but to own. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so the Sixers season only ended a few weeks ago, and we already have multiple reports and updates about James Harden's future. Keith Pompey, God bless Keith Pompey, reported last week that Harden is expected to reunite with the Rockets. Kelly Eco reported this week that Harden is the Rockets' top free agent target. And then Brian Windhorst said in the most recent Hoop Collective podcast that he thinks it's all, quote, one giant leverage play. Uh, what do you believe right now when it comes to James Harden's free agency? Well, I think there are two things. One, if Harden wants to go be the guy again and pretend like he's like 28 and he still has bursts and he can still do all that stuff, he said sacrifice a lot this year. He seems to think that he sacrificed a ton of uh, ball handling and the offense centered around him and all that stuff. And so if he wants to go reclaim his youth in Houston, God bless him. Go go ahead. Whatever yeah. they want to pay you, whatever you want to do, if that's his priority to go play for a team that's, you know, I guess a play-in team at best, um, then he should do that. Then he, then that would be great uh, for him. 
But if he wants to win basketball games, or at least win some basketball games to a point, um, I think there's a pretty good chance still of finding a compromise with the Sixers and Harden of whether it's a one plus one or a two plus one, not the full max. Uh, I saw a Windhorse report that the Sixers aren't going to give him a, a full max, uh, which I think yeah. is is uh, legitimate. Um, so I think it's it's really just what he wants. But I think if he does want to come back to Philadelphia, I think there's a there's a there's a compromise to be had. Uh, how split would you say the Sixers fan base is on whether or not the Sixers should bring him back? I would say, for the most part, everyone is just ready to to light ourselves on fire um <laughs> i think there's there's some of the more reasonable people of which part of my brain uh agrees with is like if harden walks for nothing then you can't just because the sixers are over the salary cap they can't just replace that contract they can't just give somebody yeah. else 40 million dollars or whatever and so it's a little bit of like a use it or lose it type of situation and if you sign him to something reasonably fair then you can give yourself the option in the future of of moving him for in a trade or something like that. Um, but the other part is just like that. God, he is a frustrating watch. Sometimes he did win them. Two Gosh, playoff I, games, I, but he I lost just wish people also. could see you on video. <laughs> like, watch on YouTube because there are points where you're talking where like your camera for mm-hmm. whatever is the lighting. When you start, when you just started to talk, it got really dark, like around yeah. you. It was it was poetic. Anyway, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Continue. Sorry. And that's a pretty cool function I have personally that I can sort of affect the lighting with my mood, um, and and just sort of especially if it's Sixers based, I could really dim it pretty pretty dark here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think yeah I think it's the further away we get from it, you get to have a little bit more of a um, uh, measured take about the Harden situation. He did make Embiid a lot better. He did make Embiid the MVP. He is a very ex- excellent regular season basketball player. But I think I, I sort of I net out in the, in the place of he they're not he's not good enough anymore. The energy around Embiid and Harden together in like tough playoff games is just not what you need to succeed at the highest level. And so even if there's a little bit of pain in the short term of letting Harden go and not having like a ready made option to replace him. I, I I do think it's just like let's not let's not uh drown in this water anymore. Let's at least try to find some dry land. So let's talk about that scenario where Harden does leave, because one of the people who would need to fill an even bigger role is Tyrese Maxey. He obviously had his huge breakout in the 21-22 season. He followed it up with another great season, almost identical shooting percentages. If Harden does end up leaving this summer, how confident are you in Maxey's ability to take over the lead guard role? next season well he has you know they drafted him at at 21 he after like a a pretty spotty freshman season at kentucky and he just has taken a big jump every year uh for a guy that's this young he's already so good um the the weaknesses that he has in his game offensively are all of harden's strengths which are like playing with like a measured sense of pace, controlling the floor, controlling tempo, uh, obviously distribution, um, finding finding shooters in the right in the right spots, like running running offense and basically like controlling the game as sort of a quarterback type of thing. Um, he's gotten better at that over the past couple of years, but 
primarily the jumps that he's had are in his in his shooting. So I I think for his long term uh, success, him having more of a lead guard uh, responsibility would be good for the development of his game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for sure there'll there'll be growing pains. The stuff that Harden gives you, even if it's frustrating in, in other ways, like is really really hard to replicate. Um, and Maxi has learned from from Harden. He's learned from Sam Cassell, who works with him very closely as an assistant coach. Uh, but yeah, it's it'll, it'll it'll be some growing pains for sure. We're uh, we we host a Thunder podcast, so we know the Mike Muscala shot just mm-hmm. as well as you guys do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love Mike Muscala so much. I wish he was still in Oklahoma City. He's just a pure delight of a person. Arguably saved this, you know the arguably saved this era of Sixers basketball. Mike Muscala yeah. with that shot in the bubble yeah. against the Heat uh, in a meaningless game. So yeah. we, you know, the the. <laughs> The Sixers might ruin this era by themselves, but Mike Muscala did his his damn best to try to save it for us. He did, and it's funny you ask him about it afterwards. He had no clue no, no, the no, repercussions, no. which yeah. is glorious. Yeah, it's just so so funny. And why would he? Um, it's a perfect. You know, you're just playing basketball, yeah. you're trying to hit a shot. You're in in, in Disney World <laughs> trying to just survive. <laughs> Uh, and I'll change the fortunes of this franchise forever. So thank you, Michael. I hope one day I can try to explain all of the circumstances to like my youngest son, like surrounding mm-hmm. like what happened with this with this pick and with Mike Muscala and the bubble and everything. It just makes no sense. Yeah, the it really is one of the one of the only good things to happen to the Sixers in <laughs> in a number of years because everything else was like they got you know the pick swapped but then they drafted Markel and and obviously that went to and yeah. like the Zaire trade and then Zaire like almost died and there's just so many things that like came close you got Jimmy and then Jimmy Walker they made the wrong decision just so many like almost not quite almost not quite and the Tyrese Maxey Mike Muscala hitting that shot was just yeah. really really good and no matter what happens in the future like that was that was like I I treasure that as one of the rare good things that happened in the last 10 years <laughs> So if Harden does leave, the clearest path to like a roster shakeup would be finally trading Tobias Harris, who now has a $39 million expiring contract. If they decide to go that route, what type of players or like skill sets do the Sixers need to get back in a Harris trade to build the roster? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been sort of thinking along the lines of you trade to, if Harden leaves, you definitely have to trade Tobias. I haven't necessarily wrapped my head around if Harden stays, what the best Tobias trade would be. Um, he did a serviceable job of pretending to be like Warriors era Harrison Barnes, but that's just not necessarily his game, whether it's just like a little bit too slow, a little bit too uh, reluctant, you know, not, not a quick decision maker. He can guard a little bit on the defensive end, but still doesn't move his feet so well laterally, although his hands have improved. Um, just like so slow, so so slow. So, <laughs> I appreciate you, Tobias, but so 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 slow. Um, but if you trade in, in the world where Harden walks, you just you can't just let his contract expire. So either this offseason or during the season, they'd have to trade him. So I, I'm looking at like what sort of can you take a little bit of a risk um, around the league to draft to go trade for a player that could help. Um, and so there's not you're not going to trade Tobias for like a purely good thing. You're gonna have to take a little bit of risk on. So I'm looking at like Jordan Poole, uh, who signed a, a pretty big contract and and might be getting, you know, the vibes in Golden State might be not so good. 
Um, yeah. If Chicago wants to mix it up and you get like a DeMar DeRozan situation for it, you probably have to throw in a pick. I, I, in a world where mm-hmm. that happened, I was I was tossing in Lonzo, who they might just want to get rid of because he hasn't played at all. Um, you know, you consider maybe Buddy Heald in Indiana if they really like uh, Nemhard and Neesmith um, and uh, Matherin. You start to think about that as a possibility. So it's like it, these aren't like sterling names. Um, but some of them are all very I, realistic of you. I would realistic. say, yeah, that's, I think that's yeah. what you kind of have to look at. Um, and you're, you're really trying to, especially with the, you know, pool and, and buddy would be more obviously on the, on the, on the shooting element of things and put a lot of pressure on Maxi. But if you get a, a guy like DeRozan, you're trying to repli- replicate what the Sixers had in, in those, you know, that three quarters of a season they had with Jimmy, um, with, with a better scenario around him without, you know, Ben standing in the dunker spot and everything. So. I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's the the ideal. You know, you have you have Maxi, you have Embiid. Hopefully, those guys will be here for a long time. You really need some sort of bigger wing type that can create a little bit, take a little pressure off Embiid when the going gets tough in the playoffs, when they're doubling, when the length is hard for him. Um, so DeRozan is a guy that obviously has his, has his warts as a you know catch and shoot guy, not the perfect player to to pair with Embiid uh, as far as like kicking it out of the post. But you know you're. The the Sixers have made too many mistakes over the last seven years to have like the perfect scenario around them. So we're yeah we're trying to be realistic here. So uh, you and Spike interviewed Pablo Torre on a recent episode of Right Stricky Sanchez about the process. Mm-hmm. It was an awesome episode. I, I really really loved it. Thanks. And one of the big takeaways was how much of the focus has shifted to MB because in past seasons. Very easy to place blame on coaches, injuries, Ben Simmons, the front office. But listening to that podcast, the, a lot of the conversation kept coming back to Embiid. Do you still believe in him as a guy who could lead a team to a championship? Do you think a different kind of running mate would be needed for that? Like, where are you right now with Embiid? It's tough. I think you, you, you nailed it. It is the first time that the the blame, obviously Harden bears some of it, but really this is Embiid's loss to own. Um Derek Bodner, formerly of the, of the Athletic, uh, wrote a really nice write up about about Embiid and how the um, of, of how it's really on him for the first time, because in the past it was injuries, it was Ben Simmons, it was like this or that, the Kawhi shot, like the you could you could get off a little scot free with with what he's bringing to the table, especially because he was bringing such an impact on the defensive end. But when you when you win MVP, the the target on you is bigger and the expectations are bigger. And he really, really did not show up game six and seven. Um, and that can't happen. Like that can't happen. We, in order for he's 29 now in order for him to be like the guy that can take him to the next level, he has to, he has to own it. He can't be making excuses for anybody else anymore. So to this point, the Sixers have not beaten anybody in the playoffs that you would say is anywhere close to a title contender. They never have. Um, they've lost close series to teams who were, but that doesn't count as a win as mu- much as I would love it. Love for moral victories to count in the playoffs. Um, and so for me, it's like, do I believe in it happening in the future? Uh, I think he's ex- exceptionally talented. I think he's exceptionally talented, especially on the defensive end. And offensively, I would love for someone to take a little bit more load off of him, a little bit pressure off of him. I think a better coach could uh, surround him with at least a system that that is less stagnant, which felt like so much of the problem in the past few years, um, where 
guys are just running at him and he's kicking it out. He, he, he did, really did a better job all season of of working double teams, and then that all fell apart in the playoffs uh, in the in the Boston series. So I would say my answer is I'm still working through my feelings on that mm-hmm. about about Joel. I it 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 is um, demoralizing to to think that a guy that we rode for so hard forever um who finally won his mvp that i I believe is deserved um could could show up like that poorly in the in the playoffs and you know he's he's closer to the end of his prime than the beginning of it um so i would time is running out a little bit and i think that's just why you're seeing so much uh uh desperation in the sixers fan base that is really uh wants it to happen for him and for us but he's he's got to like take this loss and really really grow from it and take it personally and decide, you know, regardless of what the Sixers do with personnel, which is obviously hugely important, he has to decide like we're gonna get past the goddamn second round because uh, I'm the MVP and uh, we we have to beat somebody. We can't just be beating like you know Bradley Beal Wizards and friggin' Siakam Raptors. Like let's go, let's be adults <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> uh, so another major question you kind of touched on it is who the Sixers are going to hire as their next coach. So a few of the names that are being floated out there, Nick Nurse, Mike D'Antoni, Monty Williams, Mike Budenholzer, Frank Vogel, Sam Cassell. Do any of these candidates stand out to you, either positively or negatively? Are you excited about any of these options? I I would say I'm so much more focused about personnel, what happens with Harden, what happens with Tobias, um, what happens with some of the free agents the Sixers have, uh, Paul Reed, Jalen McDaniels, um, George Niang, who was a big part of this team and, and did hold up pretty well in the playoffs. Uh, Shake Milton's probably gone and I think deserves a shot to play more somewhere else. Um, so those things I think matter way more than the coach at this juncture, especially since like the Harden shadow is looming over like what kind of coach that they would hire. Yeah. Um, but I think those are fine names. I don't know. I'm not a coach. I'm not necessarily like a, this coach will I don't think Doc was a was a very good coach. I don't think he was the reason why they lost the series. Um, but I think that like a good coach could have gotten some more edge here and there on the offensive end. They seem to play like slow and on their heels a lot and and allowed Boston to dictate everything, but a lot of that is personnel. Um so I see I see the rationale for a Nick Nurse who's obviously like branded as a more creative guy and willing to take risks, but he's also like kind of a psycho and uh will play his players like 44 minutes per game like that scares me a lot uh obviously some of the personnel on this team is not like built for playing that many minutes uh successfully yeah. um you know Budenholzer has his has his warts Monty Williams has his um Cassell would be cool but who knows what he actually brings to the table he's been here he's been under doc for for a while now um D'Antoni would be you know the you know if Harden comes back and they signed D'Antoni. That feels very much like it. Get the gang back together for Maury and uh, and wear your varsity jackets from you know 1978. Uh, not necessarily a great idea, I would say. But I also think Mike D'Antoni is a good coach and 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 would yeah. do wonders for for Tyrese Maxey as a as a lead guard and as a guy that is willing to get off a lot of shots and is willing to like take the next step as, in his game as a true, um, you know, top forty player uh, possibly. Um, so I think there's there's pros and cons to all of them. Ultimately, like the bigger thing is is who they get to surround Embiid to try to maximize you know the most amount of shots he can get uh, at at actually making a run in in his prime. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, Mike, thank you for answering all of our Sixers questions. It is now time to play Andrew versus the Beat, our weekly trivia show where Andrew goes head-to-head against a beat writer, or in this case, Mike Levin, co-host of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Uh, so, Mike, how this works, I've come up with eight questions, and in honor of you being here, all of these trivia questions are about the process. Oh, boy. Focusing mainly on those three years between 2013-14 season and the 2015-16 oh, season. boy. I've come up with eight <laughs> questions. Uh, some are easy, some are hard. Okay. If you get a question right, you'll get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one, and we'll go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered. So to start us off, I just need a number between one and eight. Me? Yes. Uh... I'll go with I'll go with three for Iverson, uh, who got them to the last conference finals when I was eleven. Well, you picked a great question. In the three season span from the 2013-14 season through the 2015-16 season, there were nine Sixers who scored at least thirty points in a game, and we're going to try to name them all. So, how this works, Mike, you're going to oh give me a name, gosh. then Andrew will give me a name, and we'll go back and forth until one of you stumbles. So, okay. Mike. I need a sixer who scored at least 30 points during those main tank years. Oh, boy. Okay. Let's get us back there. So Embiid didn't start his career until Sam Hinkie was gone. Unfortunately, he was not healthy for that. Um, I will start us off. I'll say Tony Roden. That is correct. Andrew. Um, Michael Carter Williams. That is correct, Andrew. Back nice. to Mike. Um. So there was there were a couple guys that like had lingered from previous teams, but I don't know that they would have even had a chance to do it. I'm gonna. I believe there was one game that James Anderson went off for over thirty. Is that right? Not only was there one game, he was the high scorer during that period. He, I think yeah. he had thirty six points in a game. Wow. Man. All right, Andrew. Sh- shouts to James Anderson. I thought I thought he was gonna do something. I'm an OSU grad, so I thought. There you go. Man. I thought he could do it. Um, What about former Thunder player Isaiah Cannon? Wow, Andrew. He he played for the Thunder? I don't even remember that. Uh, Yes, Isaiah Cannon did did once upon a time score over 30 points for the Philadelphia 76ers. That's right. Mike, back to you. You guys are doing great. You got five names left. Oh, wow. Um, I'm going through the draft picks. I mean, I guess Okafor probably did it once. You are correct. Yeah. He did. Back to Andrew. Oh, boy. Um, Four names left, Andrew. Did Robert Covington ever do it? 
Andrew Lord Covington did once upon a time score wow. 30 points for the Process Sixers. There are three names left, Mike. I'm really impressed by Andrew. I, this is this is uh, getting this list of guys from not your team is is a really impressive. Uh, we were we impressive were both feat. pretty obsessed with the uh, Process we, Sixers. We were, yeah, yeah. It was a good time, and you guys are doing. You guys had are coming out of it right now, which is nice. That's right for, for the Thunder. Yeah. Um, I'm trying. I don't want to name the guys I'm running through my head because I don't want to give them to him because mm, I thought yeah, I was like, smart, oh, obviously smart. I'm going to be better at this, but now he's showing me up pretty good. <laughs> um, I would. I'm going to say there was one in the first year of the process before he was traded. There was one game that mm-hmm. Thaddeus Young scored over 30 points. Is that right? Would you believe there were like four games wow. where Thad Young scored exactly 30 <laughs> points? Wow, wow, wow. That wow. is correct. Uh, okay, Andrew, there are two names oh. left. Oh, I've got some iffy names in my brain. Um, did TJ McConnell ever do it? Wouldn't that have been amazing? No, he did not. But I, I appreciate you throwing his name out there. That means Mike gets the points. Two points for Dang Mike. It. The other two names, uh, anyone else you want to throw out there just for fun? Um, Stauskas. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's see. I was pretty. I doubt that Spencer Hawes did it. He, he did not. However. Ish, ish, ish Smith. No. Uh, similar to Spencer Hawes, there was a holdover that did score. Another holdover. Ev, holdover. Not Evan Turner. Yeah, Evan Turner. Evan Turner. Evan wow. Turner. And the oh. other one was uh, Nerlens Noel. Nerland scored over oh, thirty. I was gonna. I was gonna say there's no way Nerland scored over thirty. Wow. Yeah. I, I did. I, nothing. That name hit my brain. I didn't consider it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, Andrew. Board is yours. Pretty impressive. Uh, number one. Question number one. The first major trade of the Sam Hinkie era was the Drew Holiday trade, in which Drew was sent to New Orleans in exchange for Nerland's Noel and a future first. That was not the full trade, however. Who was the other player involved in that deal? Oh my gosh. There was an actual player, not just a pick, involved in that deal, other than Drew Holiday and Nerlens. Who Drew was it, Andrew? Holiday and Nerlens. You're gonna have to dig deep, Andrew. This is deep. I think I know, but I don't feel confident. I just don't. I just don't know. I'm gonna have to pass. I just. I can't. I can't think of it. I don't know. All right, Mike. For one point, what is your guess? Is it Luke Bamute? Oh, a great guess. It is, in fact, Pierre Jackson. Pierre Jackson. Sure, I knew that. I did know that. And now I feel bad about myself because I, I, oh. I do love Pierre Jackson. I would not have guessed that. I have not heard that name in so long. Yeah. Happy uh, Jack. Okay, uh, Mike, you're up to zero and you have control of the board. Let's go uh, with seven. Question number seven. Bill Simmons once wrote, quote, I will just say that KJ McDaniels kind of sort of maybe reminds me a little bit in a roundabout way of Scotty effing Pippen. What was KJ McDaniels career high for points in a game? Now, before you answer that, (laughs) you can make Andrew answer first and then you can go higher or lower or you can answer first and then Andrew will go higher or lower. That seems that seems unfair to do to Andrew. So I'll take it. I'll own it. Um, uh, It is. Completely fair to make Andrew answer. No, this is your I'm question. A, I'm, I'm, I'm I, I guess so poorly last week on <laughs> on one of these questions that I still feel a little embarrassed. But I'm a play. I'm a playoff guy. I want to. I want to take the responsibility here. I want the ball in my hands. Oh wow! Okay. Game. Yeah. Um, KJ McDaniel's is career high <laughs> with the Sixers. <laughs> to be clear, uh, just in general, 
In just general. for his total career. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say I'll set the over-under at 14 points. All right, Andrew. Would you like to go higher or lower than 14 points? Uh, I'll say higher. Correct answer was 21 points for KJ Whoa. McDaniels. Yes. That means Andrew gets a point. There you go. Well and you have control of the board, Andrew. Uh, number two. Question number two. So the main tank years for the process Sixers was that three-season span between 2013-14 and 2015-16, a span in which the Sixers won a total of 47 games. Who scored the most total points for the Sixers over that three-season span? I would have known the 47 number. I was ready to answer it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. The most points, the most total points over that three-season span. Oh, for the boy. process Sixers. It's definitely one name that really sticks out, but I don't know that he scored that many in the ensuing years. Hmm. Um, it is tough. It was a. It was a tough. It was an interesting three years. I look back at, on those years very fondly and find them to be way less stressful than these years yeah. have been. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but you start looking through the names and those and some of those rosters, and it was. Uh, there were some dark days. There were some dark ones. What messes me up is that I think they dealt the guy that I'm thinking of is Michael Carter Williams, but I think they dealt him after the second year, so he doesn't get the third year of points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's probably not him. They dealt him at the trade deadline of the second year. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Covington? I don't know. Andrew Robert Covington is incorrect. Oh. Mike, you have a chance to steal for one point. That would have been my guess. Um, he was second. Okay. Okay. Um, I I would love for the answer to be Tony Roten. I don't think it is. I, I will I will say I will say for just the simple amount of years I'm between MCW and Okafor. Let's let's say MCW. So MCW scored 1,780 points. That was good for third. Okay. Robert Covington, second, 1,801 points. Number one, not Julia Locafor, Hollis Thompson. Hollis scored 1,845 points. That is surreal and very surreal that I didn't know that as as I think the world's biggest Hollis Thompson fan. Um, wow. He scored the most points in the process. That is a crazy fact for me to learn right now. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, that is okay. nuts. And so, yet never scored over 30 in a game. That's true. Yeah, Stunning. just showed up every day. Yep, just showing up. years. Stunning stuff. Uh, okay, Mike, wow. you have control of the board. This is very educational for me. I'll, I'll go with four. <laughs> okay, question number four. While Markel Fultz's time in Philly wasn't a huge success, he did become the youngest player at that time to record a triple-double when he had a 13-10-10 against the Bucks in 2018. Two players have since broken Fultz's record for youngest triple-double. Name both players. I would say there's some players rattling around in my brain. There's also the random, like, like... Hamadou Diallo had a triple double or something like there's <laughs> something like that is like is sort of preventing me from saying it. But so Fultz, one year at UW, had the triple double on the last game of the regular season of his rookie year. Um, at home, crowd went wild when he got it. 
Uh, I'm going to say Luca is one. That is incorrect. Oh, no. Andrew, you have a chance to steal for one point. Have to give me both names. I have to get both names for the points? Both names. That's why I went one at a time. Oh, <laughs> any more guesses. Man. Okay. I mean, Josh Giddy is one of them. Okay. Um, what do you mean? Okay. You can tell me. There's nobody else answering <laughs> after me. Okay. Just, Perhaps. Can, just confirm me. I just, I wish you would give me the one point per question. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I don't know why Can't you held, held this one. I think you held it back because you knew that I knew that one. Um, I did. That is exactly yeah. why I held it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I knew I you know. would get giddy. Who's the other name, Andrew? Who's the other name, Andrew? Um, shoot. Don't blow this. this is, I know. I Is it somebody from this last year's draft? Don't I mean, look. It, oh, Al. I don't know. I don't know who the second guy is. I just... Well, do you want to throw out a, a name? Paolo. I don't know. That's just not right. My guess, would have been, my guess would have been Lamelo, and Mike, that is correct. It Dang was Lamelo and Josh Giddy. Ah! All right, Andrew, ah. three questions left. You had a chance to tie it up there, but you're still behind one. You do have control of the board. Where would you okay. like to go next? Number five. Which of the following is a correct name for one of Brian Colangelo's burner accounts on Twitter. So I'm going to give you four <laughs> no. account okay. I, names. I, I could name them all. I, I, I had a feeling that you would be able to name them <laughs> all from memory. I'm glad Andrew got this question because he would have killed you on this question. Andrew. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So three of the names are altered. One of the names is actually how it appeared. Okay. Okay. Only one okay. is right. Okay. So here okay. we go, Andrew. I'm going to try to be um, have a blank face for this. Okay. We have Lion Abe, Derek Jr., Enough Unknown Sources, and Stay Balling. Once again, we have Lion Abe, Derek Jr., Enough Unknown Sources, and Stay Balling. Which one of those is a correct name for a Brian Colangelo burner account? It's been too long since I've heard these. I'll just say Derek Jr. I have no idea. No, unfortunately, it was Eric Jr. That is correct. And it would have been Honest Abe. And it would have been Still Balling. And actually, enough unknown sources is also wrong because he didn't have enough characters. (gasps) It's enough uncone sources. There's not the N in unknown. Wow. Uh, Wow. What an impressive level of knowledge. When things change your life like that, you don't forget it. I did not deserve that point. Uh, so, Mike, you now have a commanding two-point lead. If you get this final question right, you will secure the win. We have two questions left, six and eight. <sighs> Give me six. There are two NBA players who got minutes in this year's playoffs who also got minutes for the Sixers in the pre Colangelo process years. Name both players, and you get one point per correct name. In the playoffs. So they minutes. played for the Sixers in the pre-Colangelo process years. They also got minutes in this year's playoffs. Sorry, play for the Sixers in the pre-Colangelo process years. So in, in the 2013-2016 range we're talking about here. Yes. Okay. So Jeremy Grant comes to mind, but Jeremy is on Portland and they didn't make the playoffs this year. Um, Haywood Highsmith comes to mind with Miami, but I believe that was after the official process era wow i did not realize he played for the sixers yeah he did he was on the sixers g league team we had him on the podcast actually when we did a uh a g league a g league podcast at the, oh, at wow. the Del- Delaware Blue games. Games. yeah 
Um, I've I've definitely thought about this. Um, let me let me go through in my mind. You said got minutes on this in the in these playoffs so far. Yeah, and you get you do get one point per correct name. Okay, so you don't have to name both. Okay, you guys talk while I think for a second. No. Andrew, do you feel like you could get this one? I feel like I I know one. You know one, so you could get one. Yeah, point. I think I could get one. I'm trying. I'm still have names rolling around in in, in my dome. I thought it was a fun question because you go back to some of those process rosters and there's actually a ton of guys who are still in the league. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But a lot of them are on teams that did not make the playoffs. Are bad. Famously bad. Yes. <laughs> um, are we counting play-in or no? Uh, I'm kind of interested to see who you would say. I wasn't, but... Okay. Okay. I wonder okay. who you're thinking of. I was thinking of... I was thinking of Dario, but now I'm believing that Dario didn't. No, because him and Joel had the same rookie year, so it was right afterwards. Um, uh so on the on the um, the my podcast had a shirt which had which had all of the names of the players that played during the process era on the back of it, like almost like uh, a high school, yeah. like a high school, like <laughs> all your names are on there. And so I'm now thinking of the shirt, thinking of the people on the shirt. Um. Ish Smith. That is correct. For one that point. was the one. That was the one. He played 12 oh. minutes so far in these playoffs. Yeah. Do I keep going or do, does that yeah, go Yeah, to, you can get okay. one more point if you can come up with the other name. Um, uh, wouldn't have been TJ didn't make the playoffs. Wouldn't have been Stauskas. Not, Roden is gone. Stauskas? Elliot Williams is gone. Um, Henry Sims is gone. I'm trying to imagine DJ <laughs> Mullins is gone. I'm imagining Tony Roman playing in the 2023 playoffs. Yeah, and it, and it gets me very excited. <laughs> He'd be great. Look, you can't stop him going left. You just simply couldn't stop him going left. <laughs> um, Brandon Davies is gone. Uh, Brandon Davies. I'm trying to. There's some. I'm going to be upset about it because these are my guys. These are all my guys. All of them individually are my guys. I think I have another guess. Nerlens wasn't in there. Okafor, obviously not. Um, no Christian Wood. No Christian Wood. That's a, that's a great one. I didn't even think about that, but that would would have been a great one. Um. Uh. Let me just really. Okay, so I'm sorry I'm taking so long this podcast. I am now taking this question more seriously than I've ever taken anything else in my life. You can cut this out of the podcast and me. You have me already secured the win. Just letting you know. I, you know, this doesn't matter. This this is what matters. Okay, so nobody on the Warriors. Nobody on Denver. We already got ish. Uh, Sacramento. Yeah, Rashawn Holmes. Is that your answer? He had to have played a minute. He had to have played a minute in the playoffs. Mike, yes, that Rashawn is Holmes. incorrect. Oh, he did he not play, play any minutes Brutal. in this year's playoffs. Brutal. Andrew, what is your name? Andrew. Um, <laughs> but my guess is is Dwayne Dedman. Is that is that one of them? Did he play for the Sixers? That is one of them. That's it. And he played th those minutes for the Sixers. That's right. For the Sixers. Is that right? Wait, he played in this year's playoffs? Yeah. Uh, yes. Did he play? He had to have I gotten a minute. Did. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right. He did. Wow. The however, Andrew, however, Andrew, you're wrong. What? Why? Um, because, damn it, you're right. 
Yeah, he would have yes. been that first year of the process. He was on the team a little bit, I think. Wow. Out of USC. And then now he came back to the Sixers to be one of the many bad backups for Joel Embiid. <laughs> on a long storied list. Uh, so there actually was another player because I, I just missed Deadman. Um, I won't give you a point. Oh, there's for another it. one. Yeah, but it was it was actually the one I thought you would get, which is Robert Covington. He played 12 minutes. Obviously. Clippers. Too obvious. Yeah. I was digging um, too deep. Okay, Andrew, actually, you know, I said Mike had secured the win. It's four to two going into the final question. Andrew, if you get this correct, Here we, we go. will have a tie game. That's All right. It. So, Andrew. All right. Question I'm number ready. eight. Michael Jordan apologized to this process sixer when the sole of one of his Jordans completely detached on a drive to the basket during a game against the Pacers. So this process sixer, his shoe exploded on a drive, just completely oh, detached. Oh, man. And Michael I don't Jordan. Know. I, I don't know this. The goat apologized to him. I don't know this. I'll just say Okafor. I just don't know it. I'm mad that I don't know it, but I just uh, don't know it. Andrew, that is sadly incorrect. Mike, you remember this? I also don't know it. I mean, I remember when Zion's shoe exploded. Yeah, that's college. the only thing that comes to mind is the Zion thing. And and like vaguely, I remember when Zion, when that happened to Zion, which would have been 2017, I guess, 2016. Yeah. Um, I vaguely remember like people referencing that happened to the Sixers, but I I can't think about who it is, but I'm thinking of drives to the basket. And mm. there simply weren't that many guys who drove to the basket <laughs> during this yeah. era of Sixers basketball. But um, I'm trying to think of like who it would happen to. And because of the way his legs always seem to be splayed out, I'm going to say Nerlens. Wow. That was, you thought a lot about that question. You were wrong, but I appreciate the thought process. <laughs> uh, it was Tony Roten. You know, it was actually, Roten. I was going to be my other guy. I Googled. Wow. I Googled like craziest moments in process history. And of course, there's like tons that you could bring up, like yes. whether it's Fultz oh, or yeah. Flangelo. Of course. For whatever reason, this was on there. And I was like, wow. I don't even, why is this on here? <laughs> Who would I'd, ever remember I like vaguely remember it. I, yeah, I was, I was going to say Roden, and then I thought about Nerlens's legs being like always like sort of like inflatably splayed out all, everywhere. Um, <laughs> I, it was I, I feel like I didn't equip myself very well here. It was at a time when there was an epidemic of this happening. It happened three times in two weeks during that period of the NBA season. It happened to Ginobili and Bogut as well. Wow. Oh, Which really just saying everywhere. those names uh, with the process Sixers was, really shows you how long it has been since we've been doing <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations, uh, Mike. You won four to two. Impressive <sighs> win. Man. Uh, okay. Go listen to the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast. It's a very fun Sixers podcast. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thank you both. This was great. And I, I hope I didn't uh, embarrass myself too much. That I sort of made my bones in, in the process era. And I feel like I should have, had I known there was going to be a trivia si situation going on, I should have studied. I should have hey, looked at the shirt. You still won. You still won. I know. But I, but as my, my wife said in our vows, I didn't win by enough. Um, <laughs> and so. And so that's why I'll be I'll be smarting over this uh, non-blowout win for the rest of the day. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, guys. Huge thanks to Kelly Eco and Mike Levin for joining the show. Hey, if you want to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we will read it right here on the show. This one comes from Spain. A pasar de un error vala pina says five stars from barcelona the saturday slam and jam is a great show 
I'm a passionate NBA historian, so I was disappointed Andrew did not remember the legend of Cliff Hagen. I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, he was was top 10 in assists in franchise history for the Hawks. I'm going to give you five stars nonetheless, though, because your NBA knowledge is truly breathtaking and inspiring. Greetings from Barcelona. Wow. Thanks so much for that review. This next one comes from Griffey Kaprinsky from the US of A. Saturday Slam and Jam, five stars. Saturday Slam and Jam is sick. And then he just types my name, Andrew, 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 so many times. Thank you so much for the review. Appreciate it. If you will leave us a review, we will read it on the podcast. I hope you guys enjoy the long weekend, enjoy the basketball, and we will talk to you guys again next week. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.